This is VLX number 107. It is good that we are here. We are in Matthew chapter 17, verses 4 through 8. VLX stands for Video Lexu Divina, your only patristic Bible study and Ignatian prayer series online. Happy Easter, Christ is risen, Christ is truly risen. Today we continue in the Transfiguration from a couple weeks ago, but keep in mind that the Transfiguration has this similar glory to the Resurrection, so it works out well for this week. Now, unfortunately, I might be going to two VLXs a month and two CPXs a month because of my schedule. My schedule is getting overwhelming, not so much with the several hours of prayer and reading every day as helping in urgent situations and correspondence. Now, maybe I can keep on going on a few videos every week, so just pray for my time management and discernment on that. Either way, please send friends to catch up on this series. God give you his peace, and nomi pachi sefiri, spiritu santi, amen. God, our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. Nomi pachi sefiri, spiritu santi, amen. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. Okay, if you're doing the imaginative way of prayer, I would suggest today you do the imaginative way of prayer by way of the study. In other words, listen to what we describe on the study way of prayer, and I think this will feed your imagination quite well. Also, let's hear the first four verses of Matthew 17 again, even though we did those first three in the last VLX. Let's hear a little bit of a recap just to figure out where we left off in the transfiguration. St. Matthew tells us, and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Okay, so clearly that last verse was from today only. And in the ESV, we hear St. Peter say, Lord, it is good we are here. In the Douay Rimes Bible, we hear, Lord, it is good for us to be here. And that is from the Latin Vulgate, Domine bonum est nos hic esse. Esse is the infinitive of to be. Bonum est nos hic esse. Now, that word in Latin, bonum, was translated by St. Jerome from the Greek, which was kalos. Kalos is good in Greek, but you might find it interesting that kalos in Greek also means beautiful. It means either good or beautiful. Now, that which is beautiful, according to St. Thomas Aquinas, is that which is cognitively pleasing. And so that's what we see today, that what St. Peter looks around and sees on this mountain as the cloud envelops him and James and John, and then, this, as we're going to hear, this actually, this light, this cloud full of glory actually comes from Jesus, and he is with Moses and Elijah, 
And everything that Peter's experiencing at this transfiguration, at the transfiguration day, it is pleasing to his senses and beautiful to his soul. That's something to bring to both of the methods of prayer today, that the transfiguration is pleasing to his senses and beautiful to his soul. Now, you guys know I'm against all these Protestant movies that make the apostles out to be all these doofuses because they were actually quite a bit smarter than we give them credit for. Um, But even the church fathers speak of St. Peter um, exclaiming these words from a delirium of joy here. Father Lapide says this on page 157. Peter here, exalting in the glory and, as it were, intoxicated, desired to remain and abide in it and enjoy it always. Whence the Arabic translates, it is good that that we should remain here. According to St. Bede, they later carried out this wish of Peter's by building three churches on Tabor. Okay, what Father Lapide is saying right there is they actually built three churches uh, to Jesus and Elijah or Elias and Moses right there on Tabor. What it is saying here is that the Arabic translates, it's good that we remain here. Remain is the key word in the, in the uh, Arabic right there. Peter wanted to stay there for a while. Why? Because they were intoxicated. They wanted to abide in it. It's a great word in the Bible, in the English. He wanted to abide in it. You will ask why Peter desired that these three tabernacles should be made. And then Father Lapide answers, This was in order that he might keep Moses and Elias from leaving. It is as though St. Peter said, Oh, how sweet and delectable it is to abide in this vision. Therefore, O Christ, suffer not Moses and Elias to go away, and that we may keep them. Let us make them a habitation, a tabernacle for each, in which they may abide. Or perhaps, as Liranus says, Peter assigned Christ's tabernacle to himself, Moses' tabernacle to James, and Elias' tabernacle to John. Do you ever wonder how the three earthly men line up with the three heavenly men there? I've wondered that for a long time. Father Lapide just answered it. Peter lines up with Christ, Moses to James, and Elias to John. Mark adds, For he knew not what he said, and Luke not knowing what he said. It was as though Peter, being inebriated with the sweetness of this vision, in order that he might prolong it, spoke as if bereft of reason, things incongruous. His mind was wandering, and he was in a sort of delirium. And that first, because he thought Christ in his glory, as well as Moses and Elias, needed tabernacles and three of them, as though one would not have sufficed. And if you're listening in real time, it's the Easter octave. Remember, the transfiguration is a small sliver of the glory we will please God if we make it there, see in heaven. And this is where, really during times of Easter, we should meditate on heaven quite a bit more. Father Lapide says, If therefore Peter had beheld the glory of the divinity and the abyss of all joy and all goodness, what would he have said? For this vision and pleasure of Peter were sensible and corporeal and were only like a single crumb or drop or droplet in comparison with the pleasure and joy which the blessed experience in beholding and enjoying God when they immerse themselves in him as in a sea of delight and are swallowed up in it according to those words of Psalm 35, they shall be inebriated with the plenty of thy house and thou shalt make them drink of the torrent of thy pleasure." And then verse 5, he, St. Peter, was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Let's look at the Greek here. What is bright cloud in Greek? It is nephile fotini. Nephile fotini. Fotini is obviously the root word of our English photon. 
You might want to write that word in Greek above the word bright in your Bible. That is spelled P-H-O-T-E-I-N-E. Photini. A photon cloud gives us quite the visual to what's happening. And let's remember before we go on that in the Old Testament, God often comes in the glory of a cloud. Exodus 19.9 says, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak to you and may also believe you forever. Exodus 24.15 Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And you know, even St. Paul reminds us in Hebrews 12, 18, that there was, a, there was a certain darkness to that Old Testament cloud of glory near Sinai. Hebrews 12, 18, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and, te- and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. And St. Paul reminds us in Hebrews that this Old Testament Mountain and cloud of glory was quite scary. You didn't really want to approach it as he contrasts that to the New Testament cloud. He says, For you have not come to what may be touched. He's speaking of the Old Testament here first. A blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches that mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Now, not that there's any less glory or even terrifying awesomeness of God, the God of the New Testament. The God of the New Testament is the same as the God of the Old Testament. And the fact is, this is the same God. It's the same glory. But because of the humanity of Jesus, we now have access to it. So don't get caught up in this idea that it was, it was scarier or worse in the Old Testament. It's just Jesus gives us access to the full glory of Yahweh that only Moses could even see a glimpse of in the Old Testament. Father Lapide talks about this quite a bit. He says, he speaks of the transfiguration again. He says that this was the glory of Christ dazzling the eyes of the disciples. And this was tempered by the intervention of this cloud so that Christ could be more easily seen by them. Moreover, the cloud is not only the veil, but the symbol of the glory of God. Hence, in a cloud, which is heavenly itself and impervious to sight, God was wont in olden times to manifest his incomprehensible majesty to the Hebrews as though covered from afar and by a shadow, as is plain from Exodus 19.9, Exodus 24.15, and Exodus 34.5. Therefore, the cloud is called the ascension or the chariot of God, also his tabernacle, his throne, and the seat not only of his majesty, but of the omnipotence of God and the supreme power of his working. For from the clouds he hurls against his enemies hailstones and whirlwinds, thunderings and lightnings, Hence also, when Christ shall come in majesty to judge the world, he will come in the clouds of heaven, Matthew 24, 30. This cloud, therefore, was, as it were, an instrument for the voice of God the Father, an ornament and grace for Jesus Christ, a vehicle for Moses and Elias, and for the apostles a shade. Cajetan thinks that this cloud derived its brightness from the light and glory of the body of Christ himself. And the last sentence here, In the old law, God appeared to the Hebrews in a black cloud because that law was full of shadows and terrors. In the new law, he appears in a bright cloud because the new law brings truth, glory, and love.
Notice it's the same God, but two different, two different laws. One was the law of prohibition, and the, the new law is that of beatitude. In the old law, God appeared to the Hebrews in a black cloud because that law was full of shadows and terrors. In the new law, God appears in a bright cloud because the new law brings truth, glory, and love. But many of us have misused this new law of love. On YouTube, I recently came across a remake of that old song, Be Not Afraid, that we had to sing in the 80s. And as I listened to it, I could not believe that line. When I was a kid growing up, this escaped me how heretical this was. That line, you will see the face of God and live. You will see the face of God and live. Do you realize the Bible says the exact opposite of that? Exodus 33:20. God says to Moses, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. So those songs we sang out of Oregon Catholic Press in the 80s, and some people are still singing them, those are heretical and blasphemous. Sorry if I got it stuck in your head there. But again, listen to Exodus 33:20. God says to Moses, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And in Catholic churches, people are saying, You will see the face of God and live. Exact opposite of the Bible. That's a huge problem. Or that Protestant praise and worship song, Show me your glory. Now granted, it's a little bit better than our Oregon Catholic press songs, but even Babylon B, Protestants, are making fun of that Protestant song. Babylon B had a headline that said, Worship song repeatedly asked God to show his glory, thousands dead. <laughs> and so Babylon B gets it, that you would die if you saw the glory of God. And even a glimpse of it would make these tough fishermen like Peter today totally terrified and fall on their faces, as St. Matthew tells us. Okay, let's continue in verse 5. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Did you ever notice that we have a vision of each person of the Trinity in the Transfiguration? The, tr the Trinity is found in the Transfiguration. This is what Father Lapide says. In this Transfiguration, just as in the baptism of Christ, the Trinity was symbolically represented. The Holy Ghost was manifested by the cloud, the Father by the voice, and the Son by the divine splendor and glory, in which there was a likeness and appearance of the incarnation of the Word. For Christ was seen as man, and by the splendor and the voice of God the Father, it was signified that he was also God and the Son of God. The Holy Ghost was adumbrated by the cloud because he, like a bright cloud, enlightens man, protects and overshadows him, and makes him fruitful for every good work. Thus say St. Ambrose, St. Bede, and St. Thomas. He also blesses and glorifies. Hence, in the baptism of Christ, the Holy Spirit appeared in the form of a dove because in baptism he gives innocence. But in the transfiguration, which is a type of the resurrection, he appeared in the form of a cloud because he gave then, and will give in the resurrection, security from all evils. St. Bede gives a slightly different interpretation. Then he says, the Holy Spirit appeared in the dove, now in the cloud, because the one who keeps the faith with simplicity of heart will afterwards see clearly what was believed. And one more difference from Father Lapide and the difference between the baptism and the transfiguration. He quotes Deuteronomy 18.15. The Lord thy God will raise up to thee a prophet of thy nation and of thy brethren like unto me. Him thou shalt hear. These words, hear him, were not said of Christ at his baptism because he was then for the first time shown to the world. But here in the transfiguration, Christ was set forth as a teacher and lawgiver. Therefore, as Tertullian and St. Leo, St. Damascene and others cited above maintain, these words denote the abrogation of the old law and the inauguration of the new. So did you hear that? The transfiguration is sort of this bookend 
between old law and new law. The new law begins just as the old law was given as the Ten Commandments um, by God to Moses on Sinai and Sinai to the people. So we have the new law. Uh, I don't want to say beginning at the transfiguration, but, but manifested in a new way at the transfiguration. But you know, our baptism, at our baptism, God essentially said of you, this is my beloved son, or this is my beloved daughter. And I like to hope that we will hear, if we pass our particular judgment and are saved, make it to heaven, please God, that the Trinity will again say to me and you, this is my beloved son, or this is my beloved daughter. But how do we get there after baptism? By listening to Jesus and apostolic Catholicism. You might think that's my pet project, those two words, but it's not. It's right in today's Bible section. God says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well. Please listen to him. Okay, and then where does apostolic Catholicism come in? Uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 15 or 16 says, the one who hears you hears me. He's talking to the apostles. Jesus says to the apostles, the one who hears you hears me. And the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Now, people often say, oh, but all the bishops are successors of the apostles. Yes, but if they're a heretic, well, how do the church fathers treat heretics? You ever hear the story of when Marcion, he was a heretic, he ran into St. Polycarp, and the heretic said to the saint, do you know who I am? And the saint replied, this was St. Poly Polycarp, St. Polycarp said, I know you, you're the firstborn of Satan. So remember, to listen to Jesus is to listen to the Bible and the traditional magisterium, not your feelings on a topic, and not searching out some cleric, some priest or bishop just to ratify your conscience on a certain topic. To hear one day, this is my beloved daughter, or this is my beloved son, you have to hear Christ, whose voice echoes in the traditional magisterium. Okay, let's look at verse number six. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. Father Lapide gives the reason because, as the Syriac has, they beheld Moses and Elias going away and entered into the cloud, and through it vanishing from their sight. For they feared that Moses would hurl lightning and thunder from the cloud, as he had done of old when he received the law from God on Sinai and gave to the people in Exodus 19.16, or that Elias would bring down fire from the cloud, as he had formerly done in 4 Kings 1.10. They were afraid when they heard the voice, because it was, a loud, it was loud as thunder, and though it was a sweet voice, yet its echoing reverberation terrified and daunted them. That really shows how we should recognize God in our prayer. We're, he's never our buddy, but he's, we're never so terrified of him that there's nothing sweet about that experience at the same time. Notice that th there was a sweet voice and they were terrified. Boy, that really explains the transfiguration perfectly there. They were afraid when they heard the voice because it was as loud as thunder and though it was a sweet voice, yet its echoing reverberation terrified and daunted them. St. Ephraim continues, At the sound of this voice, the apostles fell flat upon the earth, for terrible was the thunder. The earth shook with the sound of his voice, and they fell to the ground. St. Jerome says, Human weakness cannot sustain to bear the sight of this great glory. Trembling both in mind and body, it falls to the ground. St. John Chrysostom says, They fell upon their faces, that they might worship God and make supplication unto him that the thunder and lightning might not strike them or any other evil befall them. And finally, verse 7, But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. So notice that only by Jesus' humanity can we be not afraid of his divinity. Father Lapide says, 
Therefore, the cloud with Elijah and Moses had already disappeared. And now that the transfiguration was over, Jesus had returned to his previous form and appearance. Symbolically, this signified that the law and the prophets, together with the shadows of the old law, had disappeared now that Christ was present, yielding their place to him, and that only he remained who brought to men the true light of the gospel law. So this is what we were saying earlier, that we now have a new law. Moses and Elijah, they fade away. That doesn't mean they brought a a bad law, but as Jesus has said before, he came to fulfill the law. So Moses and Elijah, all of their law and prophecies are totally fulfilled in Christ. Father Lapides says, again, this glory and delight of the transfiguration quickly passed away so that Christ may show that all things in this world, even those that are lofty and divine, are transient. That should remind you of St. John of the Cross. You know, St. John of the Cross is um, kind of a scary writer to some people because he said, not only should you not seek earthly pleasures and joys, you shouldn't even seek spiritual joys, spiritual consolations, but only the honor and glory of God. At the top of Mount Carmel, this is the famous drawing by St. John of the Cross, once you've passed through seeking not only earthly delights, but even after you've transcended your addiction to spiritual consolations, what remains there? Not thinking about yourself, at the top of Mount Carmel is only the honor and glory of God. And that is why we have the last two words of today's transfiguration, Jesus alone. Those two words could just be an excellent way if you're doing the study way of prayer. The Latin was solum Jesum. Just those two words. I mean, that is the entire gospel summed up right there. Only Jesus. Solum Jesum. Please say an Our Father for me, et benedictio Deimna Potentis, Patris Sifiri, et Spiritus Sancti, descendet super vos, et mani et semper. Amen. <laughs>